Here are details of some of this week's programmes on BBC Radio. In community singing on Sunday, the Reverend Angus Smith will not be leading his congregation in singing the Sky Boat Song. <laughs> and on Thursday, you'll be able to hear Mr Peter Cadbury reading excerpts from his autobiography entitled Reminiscences of a Chocolate-Covered Tycoon. <laughs> But meanwhile, for those of you who are more easily pleased, here's 30 minutes of mundane and tepid buffoonery, as for the last time in the present series, we take you round the hall. The story so far. It was winter in the lumber camp, as Camp Lumber Betty Frenchie Marsden, <laughs> he of the eyes like burning coals and a nose like a faggot, <laughs> strode into the bunkhouse and confronted the notorious camp foreman, Kenneth Vancouver Jack Williams. <laughs> Where is Eskimo Nell, played by Bill Blubberlips Pertwee, <laughs> coated in bear grease, he rasped. Vancouver Jack snatched up his old saw, played by old saw Hugh Paddock, with a set of rusty teeth. If I can't have her, nobody shall, he cried, sobbed, wiped his eyes and sang two goddesses of my Yiddish mama. <laughs> Meanwhile, on top of a nearby mountain, a lean, grey, menacing form silhouetted against the sky raised its head to the moon and dismally howled. My name is Kenneth Horn. That was Douglas Smith, photographic model of Old Compton Street. First of all, the answers to last week's quiz. Complete the titles of the following songs. First, It's a Long Way To. Now, well, Mr. Mr. J.G. of Rotherhithe, I sympathise with your plight, especially these cold mornings. <laughs> but the answer was Tipperary. Now, the next title, Over My Shoulder Goes. <laughs> Well, um, we had some rather interesting, if exaggerated, claims regarding that. <laughs> the answer, nevertheless, is over my shoulder goes one care. <laughs> and now, the return of J. Peasmold Gruntfuttock, the celebrated walking slum. Mr. Gruntfuttock, please, Mr. Gruntfuttock. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. Thank you. Yes. Thank you. Uh, uh, nice of you to ask me up here. I have doffed that nomenclature. I've completely doffed it and took on a cognomen of a more pleasing and euphonious nature. You mean you've changed your name? Yes, that puts it in a globule. <laughs> and uh, may I ask why? My, my eye happened to perchance to light upon an item of intelligence in my daily paper while I was carrying the horse omen <laughs> uh, about this lady who, although she was enamoured of a said gentleman by the cognomen of Thick Broom, and I quote, she would not let him plight her nuptials until he had doffed it. <laughs> And so, uh, what are you changing your name to? Well, I have toyed with several, including... <laughs> including Wendy. <laughs> Anthony Armstrong McHorseprivet. <laughs> it's a very good, strong name. Very isn't good, yes. yes. And Dennis Tomaine Wilson. <laughs> but I've finally... 
I finally settled on one which suits my personality, a name which is noble yet dignified, yet furtive. Aha! Aha, you say. What is it? I cannot surmise. All right, if you insist. Aha! What is it I cannot surmise? I am henceforth to be known as Count Rory O'Thyblast. <laughs> and that is Irish, as befits my new calling, that of wandering bard, or as I'm known local, the Swan of Oxton. Yes. <laughs> I take it you've become a poet. Yes, yes. It's this morning, to be exact. <laughs> and I have composed an epic stanza to commemorate this being the last programme. I shall read it, too. Good, thank you. I shall read. Oh, grand and mighty round the horn, full loud your fame is crowed. From John O'Groats near the town of Wick to the horse meat shop in the Bull's Pond Road. <laughs> so here's a toast to you listeners bold who rejoice in our gladsome frolic, may ye long be spared from athlete's foot. <laughs> Not to mention the colic. Good day, sir. Yes, well, thank you very much. Thank you. Good afternoon. Good afternoon to you. Thank you. Thank you and goodbye. Uh, Count Rory of Thyblast, nay Grunt Futtock. And now, more compelling than ragtag and bobtail. More breathtaking in its savage grandeur than come dancing. <laughs> more starkly unashamed in its scenes of searing animal passion than woman's are. <laughs> we present Kenneth Horne, special agent. Kenneth Horne, licensed to kill on one side of the road <laughs> on even dates. Now, this story began in my luxuriously appointed P.A. d'Arterre in German Street. I'd just finished a case and I just sat there idly mending a tear in a pair of old P.A.'s when suddenly the phone rang. Hello, does Drusilla Bifus here? Who do you think you're kidding, Horne? You can drop the disguise. This is Brown Horrocks, MI5. I want you to get over here immediately. I'll be waiting for you halfway down the next page, disguised as a jam stain. <laughs> I leapt into my 2.4 Douglas Smith and pressed the starter. Run, 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 run. I did a fast racing change, nosed him out into the traffic and roared off in the direction of Whitehall. Yeah. All right, all right, Smith, don't make a meal of it. Your, your big end will go or something. <laughs> Ah, Horn. Ah, Brown Horrocks. Horn, disaster is staring us in the face. Yes, I know. I've read the rest of this lousy sketch. <laughs> Can't we just go into the song? No, no, no. We've got a responsibility to the nation. Someone's getting at the American rockets. Listen to this recording. Oh, hi there, Colonel. I'm a pot handle out there in space. Can you hear me, son? We all are mighty proud of what you're doing up there. Always assuming that what you're doing up there is what we think you're doing up there. Can you all hear me, son? Thank you kindly, sir. Now, I'm fixing to open a hatch on my little old space capsule and walk out into little old space. I'm just opening the hatch now, and I'm just getting out now. Wait a minute. There's someone walking through space towards me. 
He's got a yellow band around his space helmet. Oh, I'm sorry, sir, you can't park here. This <laughs> Happens to be a meter zone. I'm afraid I shall have to give you a ticket. Good gracious, a parking meter attendant in outer space. Yes, it's costing the American government a fortune in fines. Their last rocket was towed away and they had to go to reclaim it from Kentish Town. <laughs> Hundreds of the chaps up there. We don't know who's behind them, but we do suspect... Not Mantovani. <laughs> Actually, no. <laughs> Fiendish Japanese mastermind, Dr. Chu N. Ginsberg. Go get him, Horn. And with that, the interview was over. He stared at me sternly. I stared at his sternly. <laughs> Chu could play at that game. Then he stood up and offered me a limp hand. Have a limp hand. <laughs> well, thanks, I've already got two. <laughs> with that, I held a passing announcer and told him to get me there. Smith. Sir. Outside a certain house in Harley Street some seconds later. Oh, thank you. And take this for your trouble. Two teaspoonfuls after meals. Oh, bless you, kind sir. <laughs> You're one of nature's idiots. Thank you. <laughs> and with that, he shot off rapidly in the opposite direction. Later, second, some street Harley and house certain outside. <laughs> Don't build your parts up, Smith. I went up the bell and rang the steps. Come in. <laughs> I am Carlotta, Dr. Chuen Ginsberg's receptionist. Well, I'd, I'd, uh, I'd like to see the doctor. Oh. <laughs> One moment. <laughs> oh, thank you. Do I get that under the national health? I believe in giving the patients a warm reception. I eyed Carlotta speculatively. My glance travelled from head to foot, stopping at all stations. <laughs> I pressed her against me roughly. Roughly ten minutes it was. <laughs> a voice came in a husky question mark. Here, are you wearing corsets? No, it's my shoulder holster. Mm. Take me, take me, I'm yours. Oh, really? Oh, uh, just a minute. Uh, Smith, Smith, Smith! Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Uh, distract the audience's attention for a few minutes, will you? My pleasure, sir. No, mine, actually. <laughs> As you say, sir, four weeks, two days later. Four weeks, two days? <laughs> Why four weeks? A rehearsal, sir. Everything's worth Yes, doing. I see what you mean. Sometime later, Special Agent Horn raced clumsily down the stairs to the fiendish doctor's lair in the basement. Come in. This rubbish. <laughs> Loads of nothing. These writers give me any old nonsense that comes into their heads. All this, ah, sir, ha, ha. It's a disgrace. Well, they're probably tired. It's the end of the series. You want to get shot of them? You want to get shot of the pair of them? Get someone decent for next year. Get that Frank Muir and Christine Norden. Very <laughs> good. Or that Gallstone and Simpkins, or whatever they call them. They'd service me properly. I need to be serviced. <laughs> they, could, they could make me into a child star. I could be a child star. 
I'd be the brightest orb in the showbiz firmament I could be. Nobody loves me. They don't love me. It's not fair. It's not just. You all right now? Yes. <laughs> yes, I've got it out now. I'm much better. Ah, sir. <laughs> Oh, I can't. Look, let's skip all that rubbish. Let's get straight to the tag. Sir Horn, you have cornered me at last, but I still have one trick up my sleeve. You see this vial of noxious and bubbling liquid? Mm -hmm. I am about to drink it, and then you will see what you will see. And as I watched, he drained the glass, and then slowly and inexorably he changed before my uncomprehending eyes into a striped blazer and a straw hat. <laughs> then quickly blacking up his face, he leapt onto the table and... Twenty hard. <laughs> All right, we'll let you know. We'll let you know. All right. Come on, more. It's too high. And with that, he leapt onto the back of a passing George Mitchell, joined the black and white minstrels, and was never seen alive again. So at least, for the time being, we've heard the last of... Dr. Chu N. Ginsberg, M.A. failed. Goodbye. Goodbye. And now, here are the Fraser Hayes Four to sing you a track from their new LP, the Charlie Katz Novelty Sextet at the Newport Jazz Festival. The Fraser Hayes Four. trendy with it pace setters, the people who dig the kinks and can and consider themselves far out. And if you don't dig the kinks and think they're merely a lot of pimply adolescent scruffs, then you're not far out. 
First trends in pop music. In the studio, we have the man who handles so many of these pop stars, Aussie Mutterbuckets. <laughs> now, Mr. Mutterbucket, how do you go about discovering these groups? Well, uh, take my group, the what? Surely you mean the who? No, my group are called the what. Oh. And when you've seen him, you'll understand why. <laughs> uh, they come on stage with their long, matted, greasy hair hanging over their faces, you see. A scruffy, shapeless army surplus clothes. Then they leap about like demented tramps, shouting in a hoarse, tuneless manner. Ooh, they bring the place down. Of course, I had to work on them, you know, I had to work on them. Change their image. I even changed the name. What were they called before? The Beverly Sisters. <laughs> Thank you, Aussie Mutterbucket. And now, still on the subject of pop music, we are heartily delighted to welcome once again that doyen of folk singers, Rambling Sid Rumper. Well, now, me dear, uh, fuss it, fuss it, and a doodle down my dillio. Yes, well, I'd rather you didn't, if you don't mind. What are you going to sing us this week, Rambling Sid? I'm going to sing an 18th century quoting song which tells the story of a country lass who sings to her soldier sweetheart, Oh, soldier, soldier, when shall we be wed? For I am tired of the single life, and besides, the neighbours are starting to talk. <laughs> and I can't keep on telling them you've come to read the gas meter. <laughs> and he answers, Oh, winsome maid, oh, pretty maid, fain would I make thee my wife, oh, but we cannot be wed, for I have no boots to put on. <laughs> so she goes and buys him a pair of fine boots, and then she sings, Oh, soldier, soldier, when shall we be wed? And he sings, Fain would I make thee my wife, oh, but I have no trousers to put on. So she gets him a fine pair of trousers, and then she sings, Soldier, soldier, when shall we be wed? And he sings, Hang on a minute, I can't get these fine trousers over my boots. <laughs> and anyway, I can't marry thee, as I have no belt. So she gives him one. <laughs> And he goes, and as he runs up, he sings this stirring martial strain. Fare thee well, my apple shake, Betty, oh, fare thee well, oh, fare thee well, for I'm off to fight my country's foes, so dry your eyes and wipe your nose. <laughs> nose, oh, nose, oh. For I'm off to be a dragoon. And thank you, Rambling Sid Rumpo. Now... Trends in the cinema, the nostalgia for the 30s continues, and this week at the National Film Theatre, they're showing a revival of that great classic love story, Forbidden Encounter, starring Celia Molestrangler and Binky Huckerback. Oh, Fiona, this heat, I can't stand it any longer, this Terminable heat is enough to drive a man out of his mind. Steady, Charles. You're losing your grip. I can't stand it any longer. I can't 
I can't. Thank you, Fiona. I deserve that. <laughs> oh, darling Fiona. Uh, darling Charles. Darling, darling Fiona. Dear, darling, darling, darling Charles. Holding you like this, I feel something I don't quite understand. <laughs> I don't quite understand it either. And yet, I sense it. <laughs> somehow. I somehow sense it too. I, I'm glad you sense it. It makes it better for both of us. Somehow, knowing I know. I know you know. I know you know, I know. Yes, I know. Oh, Charles. What's wrong? I don't know. <laughs> Just this damned heat. Oh, Fiona, how I hate having to meet you furtively like this. Suppose someone were to find us out. Who would ever think of looking for us here in this damp, steamy hell? Charles. Charles, there's someone there, crouching behind that palm tree. See, there, that small swarthy man in a loincloth. Look, he's coming over. It's all right, Fiona, I'll handle him. I speak his language, you know. All right, what do you want, you grinning devil? Governor's respect, sir, but he says ladies aren't allowed in the Turkish bars of a Monday. <laughs> Ah, they knew how to make films in those days, didn't they? They just didn't bother. Now, <laughs> trends in the theatre. When I saw an advertisement in the stage which said, New West End Management wants avant-garde plays by unknown authors, I thought, well, I'll give it a try. So I went along to this place in Shaftesbury Avenue. Boner Productions, it was called. <laughs> Hello, anybody there? Hello, I'm Julian. This is my friend Sandy. <laughs> We're Boner Productions. <laughs> Sam, look what the wind's blown in. Shut up. Hold on a minute, Jewel. I'm on the phone. Hello, Noel? No, Sandy, how was your opening in Brighton? <laughs> no, I'm sorry, Noel. No, Noel, Jewel and I were devastated we couldn't get down. Now, you see, we had to go for drinks with Emily. Of course, you knew, no, Emily. Emily Littler. Hey? <laughs> eh? Oh, is he? <laughs> why he was so cool. Yes. <laughs> but listen, we hope the show went well. Yeah. But bye, Noel. Noel Card? No, Noel Tram Wicket. <laughs> That's the Punch and Judy on the beach. <laughs> One of our shows, you know. We do a lot of summer seasons, don't we, Jewel? Oh, yes. We do the Minehead Merry-Go-Round, Frolics of Frinton, and then this year we're hoping to do Twinkle on the Pier at Yarmouth. Yeah. <laughs> 
but mainly, of course, we're a West End management, you know, avant-garde plays and that stuff. Yes, yes, well, that's what I came to see you about. I've written a play and I thought you might like to put it on. It's a simple little farce set in a country house in Berkshire. Mm, no, no, Berkshire, no. Country no. house? Oh, it's nice. Mm. No. <laughs> make it a slum tenement in Salford. Much yes, better. but wouldn't that make the butler rather out of place? <laughs> we can't be doing butlers in modern plays. Make him a tramp, like in The Caretaker. Mm. Look, why can't we make him an Inca? Like the Royal Hunt of the Sun. Inca's very in at the moment. Compromise, Jewel, compromise. Make him an Inca tramp. Yes. <laughs> yes, now, Mr Horn, you say you've got this Inca tramp living in a slum in Salford. Oh. Now, that stimulated me. Now, it stimulated me. I don't mind admitting it. Yes, I'm getting worked up. I'm getting worked up. That's pregnant with overtones, isn't it, Jewel? Oh, yes. yes. the overtones. Now then... Where's the hidden menace? Oh, the hidden menace. Yes. Mm. Ah, 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 I've got it. Slowly, the whole cast changes into the rhinoceroses. <laughs> See it? And when it's happened, they all get dressed as pierrots and sing songs from the Great Wall for about five hours. <laughs> oh, it's fave, yes. isn't it? Oh, I like it. It's of now. And now. Oh, it's now. I can mm. see it. A troop of rhinoceroses dragged up. <laughs> all dragged up as pierrots. <laughs> Trolling about this Salford slum. <laughs> And all of them singing, keep the empires burning, you know. <laughs> oh, no, I think that's got the ingredients for success. All there. It's the Enesco's rhinoceros, Royal Hunt of the Sun, oh, what a lovely war, and a taste of honey. Well, it sounds as if it can't miss. Now, what it's... shall I call it? What else can you call it? Oh, what a lovely royal taste of the rhinoceros. Say! <laughs> So, there we are. Finally in trends, we've noticed a recent and healthy trend away from satire back towards the solid British virtues, honour, decency and patriotism. And to celebrate this welcome trend, here's a patriotic song that I compose myself in which I shall be supported by the massed voices of the entire cast. People say the nation is fertile. That were decimate for underquain. How can this be when all around we see the colonel men expunging this refrain? Grind not your name with stone, let the pian triumphant ride. No one shall staunch alone, Draymond is on your side. See the grussen pouring through the past. Hear the timbles shouting out, he's grasped. Courage to England's blown. Fratten the empire wide. Now all together, please. Ride not your name with stone. Let the pin triumphant
makes you feel sort of humble, doesn't it? <laughs> well, now, as this is the last programme of the present series, the producer came to me just before the show and asked me to give a short speech thanking everybody concerned for their wonderful work throughout the whole series. The, the cast, the orchestra, the writers, the technicians. And he asked me if I would thank them and say what a happy team we were and what a marvellous audience you've been and what great fun we've had during these past uh, 16 weeks. And he asked me if I'd uh, just make a short speech mentioning all those things. And I said, no. <laughs> Cheerio. See you next year. That was round the horn, starring Kenneth Horn. It's a disgrace. He's held me back. I could have been a star. I could have been a star. With whom we would like to couple Kenneth Williams. It's a disgrace. The talented and lovely Hugh Paddock. With a smile. With a smile. <laughs> and who among us is not thrilled to the pulchritudinous charms of Miss Betty Marston? Many times. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, please be upstanding for the irrepressible, the inimitable, the unforgettable, uh, what's his name again? Cop Bill Pertwee, oh, yes. currently appearing at the Pier Pavilion, Yokohama. <laughs> On the musical side, you heard the Fraser Hayes Four and the Hornblowers, conducted by Edwin Braden. Right airy fool. <laughs> the script was written by Barry Talk and Marty Feldman, spinsters of this parish. <laughs> Your announcer has been exciting newcomer, Douglas Smith. <laughs> and the whole sordid enterprise has been grossly mismanaged by John Simmons, who pleads the headache. Get out! Get out! Get out! Get out! Get out! Get out!